You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. We're talking about how to, uh, there, there's certain emotions that try to take control of our lives. Uh, and, and this week we're going to be looking at the first mind monster. But Jesus said something very interesting that we discovered last week. In Matthew uh, chapter, uh, it's in your notes, Matthew chapter 15. And he said that, see, we try to uh, monitor our behavior, but Jesus is like, hey, no, you're monitoring the wrong thing because what's in the heart comes out. And so rather than us monitoring our behaviors, we're trying to look and monitor what's in our hearts. And so uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, you'll see it on the screen. It says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do. For everything you do, for everything I do, flows from it. Clearly, if everything that I do comes from my heart, then I better take a good evaluation of what's inside. And so this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject, our first mind monster, my friend guilt. My friend guilt. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this amazing opportunity that we have to come together and to, and to just come as a community, God, to, to hang out with one another, but also to just hang out with you, God. And so we thank you for this opportunity. I pray that within the next few moments together, God, that you would uh, be uh, here in our midst, God, that we would just have a great uh, understanding that you are, you are in our midst right now. God, we pray that the word your word would fall on good ground, that it would produce a harvest. God, we don't want to leave here the same way that we came in. We want to leave different, and not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. amen. So my son, this happened about, my son is eight years old now. This probably happened three, four years ago. Uh, dads have a tendency of just wanting kids to do dumb things. Moms say yes. Dads are like, what? No, never. I had this brilliant idea. My son was about four years old. He was brushing his teeth. And I said to my son, hey, bud, wouldn't it be really cool for you to stand on the counter and jump off like you were Spider-Man? <laughs> like in the moment, it seemed like a, like a brilliant idea, okay? I don't know why, but it did. And, and my son's like, no, it doesn't seem like a good idea. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Let's just try it. Let's try it out, okay? It'll be fun. And so the first time he stood up, I'm not going to stand on this in my break, but he stood on the counter and I held his hands. I was like, one, two, three, and he jumped down. And he was like, oh, dad, I did it. And I was like, yeah, you did it. And then I said, I bet you can do it without me holding on to you. He said, no, I can't, dad. I was like, yes, you can, right? Yes, you can. <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay, dad, okay. So he gets on the counter. I'm like, okay, buddy, I'm going to count to three. Ready? And you're going to do it. I believe in you. Okay, daddy. One. Two, daddy, I can't do it. I was like, son, 
And then I just started, like, trying to motivate him, right? Like, you can do it, right? Like, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Like, <laughs> completely manipulating scripture for him. And, um, and I'm like, I'm like, jump, okay, ready? One. He said, okay, daddy. Two. And then he jumped. <laughs> the only problem was is he didn't put his feet down first. And so he did, like, a belly flop. On the floor, he said, he's just lying there. Eli, hey, you okay? And then all of a sudden, he started screaming, "Ah, Dad, my nose is flat. Like, and so now, like, we joke, we're like, hey, do you still have your flat nose? Because he he jumped in. But I remember, here's why I'm telling you this I remember feeling so guilty afterwards. That my son didn't know what he was doing. No, I'm just kidding. I felt guilty because I was like, what did I do? And like, I had to deal with this idea that I didn't plan for him to get hurt. And yet I was still feeling guilty about it. Honest to God, I was so guilty. I was like, John, you are not fit to be a father. Have you ever just allowed guilt to eat away at you? And then pretty soon I was like, John, you, golly, John, you, how smart are you to have your kid jump off the countertop? John, we're going to, and I was just like feeling so, so guilty. See, this morning we're going to talk about guilt. And so that we're all on the same page, I wanted to have like a universal definition that we can all go off of. And here it is. It's on the screen behind me. Uh, Guilt, the emotion associated with knowing that you've done something wrong. Now, in psychology, I'm I'm a psych major, and so there's about between three to five different types of guilt that that is defined. I just want to sum it into two, really, today. Uh, And so the first guilt I want to, that that the first category of guilt is what, Uh, I want to call false guilt. False guilt. And that's the type of guilt where you feel bad and you didn't even really do anything. That's the type of guilt like you feel bad and it was a complete accident. That's the type of guilt that you, uh, you do something or maybe you don't even do something. And you walk away and you're like, why did I do that? I'm sorry. Like for me, it was for my son. Like it was... Yes, I was a little bit guilty, but for the most part, like, my intentions were not to hurt him. False guilt. And so I think we've all experienced false guilt. I don't really want to talk about false guilt today, but rather I want to talk about guilt guilt. Like, I want to talk about guilt because you actually did something wrong. Guilt because I actually did Something wrong. Guilt. Guilt. I want to talk about guilt today. And so I'm pretty sure within this room that we've all have, have fallen into this idea of feeling guilty. And so I don't think it's a matter of if we've ever felt guilty. But I think it's the question that we should ask ourselves is how do we respond when we feel guilty. 
What is the correct response when we feel guilty? See, I think that if you process guilt through the correct filter, by definition, guilt should make you and I a better person, right? This idea when guilt is acknowledging that I did something wrong. And so if I can acknowledge that I've done something wrong, it gives me the ability to try and change it going forward. So I think the, the feeling of guilt is good because the feeling of guilt is telling you, hey, you did something wrong. You said something incorrect. You shouldn't have done that. But I think the flip side to that is if you process guilt through the wrong lens and through the wrong filter, guilt can become something that weighs us down and holds us back and that we just carry and pile on to our journey of life. And so how do we deal with guilt? How do we allow guilt to make us a better person rather than bringing us down. And so that's really what I want us to talk about this morning is is how do we filter this, this feeling of guilt so that we can grow and become better people. Interestingly enough, there is this person in the New Testament uh, who by all definition has so, had so much guilt. Like, he just had so much guilt. You think you're guilty for a lot of things? This guy, you have nothing on this guy. We know him by the name, he he goes by the name Paul, the Apostle Paul. But before Paul was Paul, he went by this name Saul. And Saul was a bad man. He was a bad man. Like, he was he was, his, his whole life goal, it seemed, was to destroy Christianity. And so, in fact, we read in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 3. This is not in your notes. You can write this down, though. Acts chapter 3. This, this was Paul's goal in life. Watch this. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house. Watch this. This is crazy. This is crazy. He, he went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Like that is Saul. Okay? Like he's, he's guilty of being there when Stephen was, this guy Stephen was being stoned. And we're not talking about recreational stoning. Like they, they picked up stones and threw it out. Like he was there and they laid Stephen's garment in, at the feet of Paul. Paul had so much he was guilty for. But then perhaps like a lot of us in this room today, Paul had one encounter with Jesus and his life was forever changed. And he, God changed his name from Saul to Paul. But in that moment, Paul had to decide how he was going to deal with everything that he had done in the past. Because here's the dilemma, and this is is crazy. Here's the dilemma. 
the very people that Paul was trying to persecute were the same people that he had to call friends. The same people, like he was probably having dinner with the family of the mom that he dragged out from the house to throw into prison. He probably had to have a dinner party with the family of Stephen, who he allowed to be murdered in stone. Could you imagine living with that guilt of being associated with imprisoning, executing the very people that you're hanging out with? That's guilt. How do you deal, how do I deal with that type of guilt? In fact, in Acts chapter 9, we, we see uh, this, this was after Paul had, ex, had experienced Jesus, and now he's a new guy, right? He started to hang out with his disciples, and as he went to the disciples, the text says that the disciples, they were afraid of him because they weren't really sure if he was really changed or not. And that's what he had to deal with all the time. That's what he had to deal with this whole entire time, this feeling of guilt. But how does Paul respond to the guilt? In the letter that he writes to the church in Philippi, and in, it's in the letter of Philip, Philippines, <laughs> Philippians, <laughs> uh, someone's hungry. Um, in, the, in the letter of Philippians, chapter 3, watch, what, watch what, what Paul does with his guilt. In Philippians chapter 3, he begins to list everything that he's ever done wrong. He says, I was the biggest persecutor. I was the biggest Pharisee. And he just begins to list off everything he was guilty for. So how did Paul respond to his guilt? And this is in your notes. Don't deny your guilt. Don't deny your guilt. Paul, he, he's now changed and he's, he's a different man. And, and by all definition, he, he didn't have to let everyone know about his past. He didn't have to let people know what he was guilty of. He didn't have to let people know what he did wrong. And yet Paul did not deny that he was guilty. I think that if we're honest, a lot of the times, we try to deny our guilt. We try to justify what we're guilty for. Well, she deserved it. He did that first. They did this first to me. And we try to justify this feeling of guilt. But Paul is modeling this amazing concept of Man, if you're guilty, face it. If I'm guilty, I got to face it. I can't, 
I can't deny my guilt because when I deny my guilt, I deny the process of allowing my guilt to make me a better person. And so I need to face my guilt. See, unresolved guilt begins to dictate you. And unresolved guilt keeps you stagnant. And really, unresolved guilt is when those mind monsters, the monster of guilt, really controls us. When we pretend to think that that we're not guilty. And again, I'm not talking about false guilt. I'm talking about like guilt, guilt, guilt. Like the things that you actually have done, like the people that you've actually hurt through your words and through your actions. Guilt, guilt. See, another reason why we gotta deal with guilt is because if we don't, the guilt And I alluded to this earlier, the guilt just keeps piling on to our backs. And everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, we're carrying this guilt. And then eventually it starts to accumulate. So you start carrying all kinds of guilt. And then eventually what happens is this guilt that happened in the past, it really begins to distort what you have going for you in the future. Because you begin to think and you begin to process, man, if I did this before, probably do it again. Or I messed up here, so I hurt this person, so I'm just gonna try to keep away from, and and we just begin to add more stuff to us. When in fact, Paul is saying, hey, just don't deny your guilt. And I think the reason why we don't like to deny our guilt is because we feel that if we deny our guilt, then we become defined by our guilt. But here's your second fill in the blank if you're taking notes. Here's the good news. You don't have to be defined by your guilt. Don't be defined by your guilt. Now here's why you don't have to be defined by your guilt. And this is Paul, again, the Apostle Paul, the guy, the author of guilt, the guy who could have been, who could have denied all the guilt, the guy that is so guilty for the actions that he has committed. He's encountered Jesus, and watch what he writes in this letter to the church in Rome. He says this in Romans chapter 8. In verse 1, he said, so now there is no condemnation. So whatever you're guilty of, whatever you've done, whatever you've said, however you've hurt someone, Paul is letting you know, he's letting me know that there is no condemnation for what? you are guilty for. Well, for who though? He goes on to say, for those who belong 
to Christ Jesus. Paul is letting us know good news. We don't have to be condemned. We don't have to be, uh, uh, we don't have to carry our shame of all the guilt that we have for us when we can place ourselves under the lordship, the bosship of Jesus. He's saying all the condemnation that you feel, all the shame that you've been carrying around, it's all for naught. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to, you don't have to carry it. And here's why. Verse 2, because the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Here's verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So here's what Paul's saying. So God did what the law could not do. So God, he came down in human form as Jesus to not just take on your sin, but to take on your guilt, to take on your shame. And he declared to an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Listen, I don't know what you're guilty of. I don't know what you've done. I don't know about the guilt that you're carrying that's bringing condemnation or shame in your life. I don't know who you've hurt. I don't know what you've said that has, that has caused bridges to be burned. But I do know this, that if you could learn to place yourself under the boss, boss ship of Jesus, that he, in, in return, he takes your guilt, your condemnation, he takes your shame upon himself. And he says to you this morning, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, John, that sounds a little too good to be true. John, I, I don't know about that. It's you don't know what I've done. You don't, you don't know what, what I said to that person. You don't know how I treated that person. John, you don't know. How can you say that what I'm guilty for, that I don't have to carry that weight? Because I think that guilt can be something that you can grow from to make you better. And that only happens when you can allow to filter your guilt through the cross of Jesus. And so in closing this morning, as we land the plane, I want to give you three things that the cross reminds us of. Three things that the cross reminds us of. And so when we, 
when we step into what Jesus has done for our lives, when we, when we no longer deny our guilt and we choose to not be defined by our guilt and we allow the cross to wash over us, three things happen. Three things remind us. The cross reminds us of three things. Here's the first one. That condemnation is impossible. When you filter your guilt through the cross, the cross reminds us that condemnation is impossible. And here's why. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes that you and I, we were bought at a price. What does that mean, John? That means that when we step into and we allow Jesus to be the boss of our life, when we, when we give him our lives, he paid for us by dying on the cross. And so when I embrace what he's done for me at the cross, guess what? I am no longer my own. I no longer am the prime owner of me. And if I am not the prime owner of me, I can no longer condemn me. Because only the owner can condemn me. But in Christ Jesus, he won't condemn me. So I've given up my right to condemn myself. You've given up the right to condemn yourself. It's impossible because you're no longer your own. So the cross reminds us that condemnation is impossible. Second thing is that the cross reminds us that condemnation is hypocritical. That condemnation is hypocritical. When you realize what the cross has afforded you, and when you realize all the things that you are guilty for, when I realize all of the things that I am guilty for, and when I choose to embrace the cross, then all the shame, all the condemnation of all the things that I've ever done, that Jesus takes it away. When I remember that, who am I to judge you for what you've done, for what you're guilty of? Who are you to judge me? understand the cross and when you understand what Jesus has done for you you begin to see people with a little more grace in your eyes you begin to see people a little bit differently you begin to see people through the eyes of Christ cross reminds us that condemnation for me to condemn you is very hypocritical of me. For you to condemn your neighbor is very hypocritical of you. 
And so the cross helps us to remind us that we are all sinners, that we've all messed up, that we are all on a journey. Come on, somebody. That we all got things that we got to work on. And when I understand that, I'm seeing you in a different light. I'm seeing you differently. So the cross, it reminds us that condemnation is impossible. It reminds us that condemnation is hypocritical. And here's the last one. It reminds us that condemnation is hurtful. See, guilt, not false guilt, but like guilt guilt, it actually happens when we actually hurt someone. Guilt guilt actually happens when I actually say something, when I actually do something that hurts you. And in that moment, how do I respond to that? See, because I think it's very easy, and perhaps it's maybe it's even been taught, that if I'm guilty, if I hurt you, then I'm just going to go to my corner and just say, Jesus, forgive me for hurting that person. Amen. What if I told you that was only half of it? What if I told you that that's just part of the process of, of filtering guilt to help you become a better person? See, Jesus says this amazing thing in Matthew uh, chapter 5. He says, if, uh, let's see, do we have that verse? We don't have it up there. Um, base, it's in your notes. So that's why we take notes every Sunday because you have the verses. So here, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you have any, uh, anything against someone, if you've hurt someone, if they hurt you, you go to them first. So, so the first half of, of this, the first half of, of understanding that you've hurt someone is, yes, Jesus, you've, God, Jesus, forgive me. God, forgive me for hurting this person, for what I said, for, for acting out this way, for lashing out. That's one part. But the second half, perhaps the harder half, is actually going to that person that you just prayed about and saying, hey, what I said to you, what I've done to you, I'm sorry. I'm guilty. And doing that is not going up and trying to justify like, hey, I'm so sorry. I mean, it kind of was your fault, but hey, I will take most of the blame. Like, that's not what it is. It's like, hey, I messed up. I'm guilty. I hurt you. And the most amazing things happen when we can begin to embrace our guilt and deal with the things that we are guilty with all of a sudden, it doesn't try to control us. 
all of a sudden this, uh, this monster of guilt, it loses its power over you and over me. And when we can embrace and not deny our guilt and, and not to be defined by what we've done, but allow the cross to change the way that we see guilt, it has the potential of making you a better person and it has the potential of making me a better person. And so this morning, I'm going to ask that we all just close our eyes. And as I was putting this together, I just, I don't know if it was God or if it was something that I ate, but I just felt like, I just kind of felt like God was just saying that there's so many people that are feeling guilt, that are carrying this guilt with them of things that they've done, things that they've said. And you're just carrying this guilt. Maybe it's the guilt of being a dad that, that walked out or a mom that walked out or a husband that walked out, a wife that walked out or a kid who walked out. Whatever it is, there's this guilt that we can carry with us. That if we allow it to, can control us and control what we do, control how we act. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.